Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and I'm here today with author Halo Scott. Halo, how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, it's hot here, but other than that, I'm really good. <laughs> yeah, we're just talking before about the humidity, and I, I'm not a big fan of humidity, so I get some fast. Yeah, it's like, I think 80% humidity here today or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Fun, fun. Yeah. But we are here today to discuss your your series, The Rift Cycle, that we're going to be going uh, book by book to get into all the details and all the things that I got wrong <laughs> that I have <laughs> along the way. <laughs> so to uh, to start off with, do you want to give us a, in, let's start with a, just like a non-spoiler uh, for, for people who have not read it yet, just a, like a non-spoiler like pitch for it. Sure. Um, it's about a post-apocalyptic world where everything goes wrong. Um, there's a lot of angst and basically season of birth determines power and there are a bunch of realms that don't play well together and a bunch of characters that don't play well together. And there's murder, sex, drugs, um, basically any type of taboo that you could think of. So yeah, very grim dark. <laughs> Can confirm, yes. <laughs> True. And AC Merkel is here. Hey AC, thanks for, thanks for coming by. So let's go ahead and get into the uh, to the first book. And you start this off with with uh, <laughs> you set the tone pretty quickly. What kind of what kind of journey you're in for? Death. Yes, death and destruction. So uh, start with Edge of the Breach is the first book. So what was kind of your goal for the first book? Did you have the series planned when you started this one? Uh, I did, um, but book one took about. It probably was only what I, I thought it was going to cover a lot more ground in book one, but then um, Kyder just had a lot of fun killing a lot of people in his teens. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it just, I kind of was like, yeah, why not? Um, and some extra kind of events came up. So like I, I knew, I, I won't give spoilers now, but I knew what the ending was going to be. I didn't know how it was going to get there. Um, and I didn't know why, <laughs> which is probably not a good way of planning it. But uh, but yeah, so like I knew I knew how it started. I knew that I wanted to focus on them in childhood. I thought that would only be like a chapter or two, though. And then I thought I was going to jump to when they were like in their 30s. But then, like I said, uh, Kyra was just a murder baby and wouldn't let up. Yeah. <laughs> the, the notes that I have written down here were um, it's, uh, the the compare you know comparing rune's mother to kyder's mother that, that was a, a big contrast i think was that deliberate yeah that was actually like um i i had a lot of friends with difficult situations growing up and i kind of wanted to mirror kind of like what they came from uh and like what they came home to basically after school versus like the kind of loving environment that i came home from uh home to and how that really kind of shaped my childhood and shaped their childhoods and how like you know um I think it's easy to hate a villain and then you kind of go back and you i want people to sympathize with where he was coming from yeah <laughs> and, yeah. and even though you know and he likes to kill people too yeah one thing that really struck me and and uh it's funny but when i was reading i thought this torture scene is really well it's really like it really, it's really very vivid so when you when you write those types of scenes that like torture scenes or violence um what approach do you take for that because they're very effective <laughs> this sounds so bad. I just gonna let Kyder take over <laughs> and go with it. Um, it. It's not very hard to put myself in his shoes, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it's uh, speaks poorly of me. Um, 
I don't know. I, I've watched a lot of shows, though, with a lot of torture, like Spartacus, HBO Rome, stuff like that. So that probably kind of subliminally, like, kind of made its way in. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I wish I said I had a process or that I wasn't, like, a psychopath. <laughs> but it's very easy for me to get into the mindset, you know. Well, I think once you have a reason, and I think that's what, like, even if Kaido's reason isn't a good reason, he always has a reason to kind of torture someone. So I think once I had the reason... It just was like, what are we going to disembowel today? Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, uh, Kyder's, uh, Kyder's, you know, his, his, the, the interaction that he has with the reader during those, those scenes too is, uh, it was, it was hilarious, but you felt like it shouldn't have been. Was there ever times when, um, when you thought this, I may have gone too far here. I should, I should pull back a little bit. Um, well, I won't, I won't give spoilers. Um, Honestly, this is going to make me sound like a horrible person. Book one, I thought was fine. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no lines crossed. <laughs> um, book two, there's a scene, a sequence of scenes, probably like two thirds, three fourths of the way through. And that was the only, again, says what a terrible person I am. But uh, that was the only sequence of scenes I thought about taking out of the book. Um, but it showed the development of both of the characters. So I left it in. And I thought it was important for both of their growth. But yeah, um, I don't know. I just, I... I mean, I always try to say, like, it's grimdark. It's very dark. I'm, like, marketing as such. So I don't want, like, people to ever get the wrong impression that there's, like, you know, they're good people or, like, happily ever after. But um, I don't know. When I was drafting it, I didn't think I went too far. And when I was editing it, I didn't think I went too far. And then when people send me things out of context, I think that's when I realized. I'm like, oh, that <laughs> that's intense. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I did, I did. I did enjoy Kyder's uh, experience of the brothel, where he found kind of love and support at the brothel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of like, um, I think it was was it Black Sales that had the whole. There was like a whole kind of brothel community. I think that's what I based that on. If I had seen that, by the time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> All these really dark and gory shows. <laughs> yeah, Black Sales is great. That's a good. That's a good one. Yeah. And last time we, we talked, you mentioned that some people were okay with the violence, but then they complained about the the humor. But I thought the, the especially the roofers were hilarious. Yeah, I think like, I don't know, when you have so much death, you need a bit of humor and lightness after it. Because like, it can get very, especially like as a writer, getting into the mindset to like, write those really dark scenes. I think you just you need to write a poop joke every now and then and i just left them in because it was more for me to be like all right let's like take a step back and recenter but um but yeah i tried to balance it a bit i mean it's like 80 percent death 20 percent humor yeah <laughs> but very effective humor though thank you <laughs> and I, I liked how they how rune and cutter kind of married each other in a way throughout the first book yeah, yeah, they were definitely, I was trying to show like their childhoods, how different they were. And hi, Claudia. Oh. Um, I was trying to show kind of how they affected each of them, how they affected the choices they made, um, and kind of how that made them grow into the people that they were, that they became. So yeah, the first book, I think it was very heavily on, I tried to mirror some of the, the wording too, between the scenes, but kind of in different contexts. So. And something that I I started. I started. To, I started to wonder, um, because when Rude and Rude and Carter first met, they, they seemed to have like almost a, a friendship or like a, a sibling type of relationship. It was before they were uh, romantically involved. 
which I was way off there. But uh, so I started to wonder with because there were some I, I kind of picked on some hints that there was something else with Rune's father that was kind of he had done something in the past that he wasn't, uh, you know, so I, I started to wonder, is 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 he Kyder's dad? And I was convinced that they were related, but I was way off. Just a little incest, right? Yeah, just a little bit. So every time they, you know, every time they would get a little closer, they, I hope this is hope I'm <laughs> It's a whole Luke and Leia situation. Yeah. And um, so the the end of the book, the last, I don't know, 60, 50, 60 pages were very intense. Uh, was that, did you want to end the, the first book on, on a high note like that, on just these crazy things happening? I, I mean, that was, so I knew that those things were going to happen in the series. I wasn't sure exactly where, but um, I think it was as like, I was getting to, I think it was like the two thirds point. And like a lot of it was like a lot of the first book is a lot of character development in the second book too. And like not that much plot, but I was like, I should start bringing in kind of the, the purpose of the series and like, you know, having some plot that goes along. So I wanted, I was like, I should probably make some stuff happen. Um, so yeah, I kind of snuck it in at the end there. And um, I, I just, I don't know. I kind of like those breakneck endings where everything goes wrong. And when like everyone's just crying and in pain, <laughs> it makes me sound so bad. But like, you know, and um, I, I like the whole like, kind of layering different things going on at once so that like you know you never really get a chance to catch your breath um and to kind of almost zoom the camera out because you've been kind of dealing so much in Kaido's childhood and Rune's childhood and um then kind of going to see where they are in the big picture of things and also very intense is mild right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just you know a little bit of a breakneck phase yeah um but I think that like uh at the end, showing also how, like, well, since this is a spoiler, like I said, the whole book, like, Kaido's basically like, I'm big and powerful and strong. And then to see how kind of small he is in comparison to the gods and to how little power he has. And also to kind of bring that to, like, with his mother at the time, because his powers hadn't fully developed, how um, kind of futile and powerless he felt with her and how helpless he felt at her abuse. And then even though he's grown and he's, uh, you know, founded the Apali and he's become this kind of badass in Zawad, when you then get to the, the kind of the stage of the realms, they're like, yeah, you're basically an ant. And kind of how that affects him of being like, no matter how far I go, I still kind of feel like I'm getting pushed back to start. Mm. And I did, I think, uh, you know, when we talked last time, you, you had mentioned, you know, how far can you go with the character before, you know, before someone dislikes a character, how far can you push the kind of push the boundary? And I went back and forth a lot with Kyder because I, I enjoyed his character, but he did all these really terrible things. It's because you're the, a nice person. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted, but I wanted to like, because it was, in, it's, he's an entertaining character, but then it, it, he would, you know, kill someone and then do things with the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> do things. Do things. Yeah. <laughs> Was, Which uh, when I was writing it, completely founded. It's like, yeah, this yeah. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> what was, uh, was that something you had planned to do? The the corpse scenes? No, completely not. Um, I well, it's interesting you say that because like I get a lot of people. There's some people that are like, I don't want to love Kyder, but I do. <laughs> um, okay. And there are a lot of people that have like a really visceral reaction to him, and so people are like, I can't read it because I hate 
Kyder. Um, so it's interesting. He's such a divisive character in that way. And I think it's because like, I, I wanted the purpose of his character to be like, what can you forgive? Um, and you know, what's the line? And for some people, they're like, chapter three, I cannot forgive chapter three. And I'm sorry, but I have to bow out. But, um, but yeah, by the time he gets to the corpse scenes, he's, he's just completely deranged at that point. And he also, um, you know, he's constantly saying, like, as a character, I don't care about anyone, I don't care about anyone. And then he really cares about Rooney, he's kind of coping with it. But, like, he does care. He's a very unreliable narrator. He just he cares in a very kind of abrasive way. So he's trying to, like, he's he's made a found family. Like, Rune has made a found family. He's not the nicest to his found family. But, like, I think he doesn't know how to have people he cares about that he can't just kind of erase. So it's kind of unwinding him at the end. And then so he's like, oh, I just feel like I'm going to kill people. <laughs> And it's just, it's his way of coping because he doesn't understand. And when he gets to the corpse scene, he's very kind of toxic and possessive and stuff. And like, you know, I think it all comes back to the abuse at the kind of hands of his mom, how he had no control over that. So he's kind of over controlling the situation and kind of being like, you know, why not add some necrophilia to, to the mix? Yeah. That is one way to let everyone know you mean business is to, uh, is to do that. <laughs> right. That's like your grim dark uh, membership card. <laughs> yeah, he's, he got his his, uh, his card was stamped that day for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a passport. <laughs> yeah, you you went there. You went yeah, there. You went there. <laughs> yeah, you're stamped. Yeah, he has his card stamped. Um, yeah, the uh, many times. <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, that was sends a message for sure. Yeah, but um, I'll show yeah, I, you. I, yeah. And I started to wonder, is, is he redeemable? Is he a character that can be redeemed from all the things he's done? And kind of like you mentioned, is he, that's what he knows. That's what he's, he knows. So he's yeah. struggling to, to deal with all this that's going on. And, and um, Rune and Kyder's connection, it was pretty strong pretty quickly. Did you, did you want to roll into that smoothly? Or did you want to kind of set the stage for that, that there's something here right away? Well, I wanted to them them both to be kind of solstice born, the strongest and kind of like opposites attract, but also kind of smash heads. And I think that because she because of all that she's gone through, all of the grief and all the pain and all the death, she's just like a no bullshit person. And he's used to a lot of kind of bullshit people. And I wanted someone that was really going to challenge him because, like you said, he's not in the beginning, especially the first book, he does a lot of shit. <laughs> and he's kind of an asshole in a lot of ways. Like, get my but you know, he's just kind of a <laughs> prick. <laughs> like, he's just really a jerk. And, um, and I like give reasons for that. But at the same time, like, yeah, no, he is just kind of a jerk. Um, but the fact that Rune sees more in him, and that scares him, because he's like, no, I don't want to be more based basically than a monster, because it's almost easy for him to be a monster. I wanted there to be a very kind of instant attraction, but also kind of enemies to lovers thing going on. But also they're kind of almost partners in a way, kind of like soldiers together in that they they have a duty that's so much bigger than themselves that comes into play later. And that like they have this connection and they don't really know why. And like in book four, it explains a bit more of kind of what that is. But I wanted it to be like, like there's a spark Kyder doesn't like it because he's comfortable in his murder kind of den and you know ruins just more like whatever he'll like I'm not he she doesn't fall under his spell she's almost like connects with him on a deeper level you know she's like I don't really care how you look or what like your charm or stuff I see the the 
kind of hero almost you could be not to be cheesy but and yeah. he's like no I, I like being a villain you know I like you said I got my passport stamped I'm, I'm happy here in necrophilia <laughs> land <laughs> and AC says free ice cream at Club Grimdark <laughs> Yeah. You don't want to know what you have to do to get into Crim <laughs> Club Grim Dark. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a high bar. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, the the first book ends, really ends off at a at a great point where you want to you want to keep reading, you want to know what happens next. And what was that to write the second book? What what was it difficult to to um to know where to go with the second book after the re reception from the first one? Did it influence you in any way? Well, I actually, I don't know if it was a good or a bad idea, but I wrote the whole series in a vacuum. So I didn't even get on Twitter until I was almost done drafting book four. And by that time, like, because I was like, I kept this very messy document of like, I was like, here's all the shit you need to fix Halo. <laughs> and so like book four was kind of me tying up a lot of uh, loose ends that, you know, I had kind of been like, I'll do that later <laughs> in the series. So I like going into writing book two, I think because what happens in book two, I originally thought was going to be book one. It was almost never, you know, writing's never easy, but like I knew what was going to uh, come next. I'd say that book three was actually, and I'll, I'll wait till that section, but that was the one that was probably the hardest for me to write because like mm -hmm. it's mostly plot based. Um, but X of Blood, because I knew it was going to be a lot about character development and kind of really about Kyder and Rune exploring their relationship, who they are, and kind of really coming into their power. Um, and setting a direction kind of for the series. Um, it was like, it was a lot of fun to write. I think it was probably the book I had the most fun with in a way. So yeah, hmm. because it was also supposed to be book one. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I actually know what's going to happen. <laughs> Except the ending actually, which is so funny because like someone said like, oh yeah, I saw that coming. I was like, that's great. Cause I totally. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> But the, the both characters go through quite a bit of quite a bit of an evolution in the in the second book. I think they they grow in uh, a lot in different ways. Um, how they feel how they Ooh. feel about each other and how they influence each other. Did I? Oh, sorry. One sec. Sure. Sure. I'm so sorry. My headphones just went out. Can you hear me still? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Can you repeat that last question? I'm so sorry. Sure. <laughs> I know we're just talk we're talking about the characters and how they influence each other. Oh, yes. Yes. And how they're really coming into their own in book two, right? Yeah. Well, I think they, they kind of really, they become adults in book one, but they're still kind of really young. And in book two, I think especially Kyder, um, he, be, he goes from being just a gang to the most powerful gang in Zawad and also like he's making enough noise that the gods are starting to get annoyed at him you know so I think that it's showing that his it's widening the stage a bit like that's what the ending of Fetch of the Breach was kind of like you know um this is great that you've been murdering people and having sex with corpses but there is a bigger uh kind of stage that needs to happen um and for Rune to kind of undergo the training of being a soldier and to after losing well i say exposed losing all the roofers and stuff losing her family like losing every family she had except basically kiter and with him too she's kind of like reluctantly she's like we're kind of forced to be tied together because we're both solstice born um i wanted to show how she could kind of open her heart again which is really hard to do after loss um and how she also could 
kind of forge a path, but she doesn't really know if it's really fully what she wants to do. So it's kind of about them both coming into power pretty quickly and kind of solidifying themselves as people who are like known across the world. And especially for Kyder, someone who's like getting big enough to start annoying the gods with like all the things he's doing and all the connections he's making. Mm-hmm. And I did like that, that Rune made a different family too in book two. Yeah. And well, I wanted it to be like, you know, it's hard for her to open up again, but I think that's the difference between her and Kyder is like, he likes to shut down a lot and she's, brave enough to try to go out there again and again and again despite the universe just being awful to her. But me being awful to her. (laughs) (laughs) But But one thing that really struck me in this book is the uh, the action scenes. You feel really disoriented during these scenes, like the bombing scenes. You feel really like confused and you can can see the smoke and hear the ring in your ear when you're reading it. Um, Was that something that you you practiced or was that just something that came to you? I try to, anything like that, I try to do a lot of research of like firsthand accounts because I don't have any, anything that I, I like a lot of it's kind of own voices or own voices exaggerated with some of the stuff that the characters go through. I've never had sex with a corpse. I feel like I should say that. <laughs> just point that out there. Um, but anything like war related, I wanted to really have a decent sensitive that and I did a lot of research on that and see what it was. So yeah, that was from kind of accounts of like people who had had PTSD and what they kept remembering from the battle or, um, you know, people who had been in war and kind of looking at uh, stuff like that. Mm. Oh, I think uh, we have an echo. Is there an echo going on my end? Let me see if this might be. Let me see if I can make this go. Sure. Thanks, Joel. Awesome. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Let me make sure. All right. (laughs) It's just me like reaching down in my desk and pulling out all this random stuff. Oh, this is the best way. Right? I think this is going off. I have no idea what's going on with my thing. Okay. That's just going to start spazzing. All right. Now we're good. All right. There we go. Awesome. Onto the next, (laughs) the next microphone. There we go. I know wired, Drew. I know. It's like yeah. I try to do Bluetooth, but it just doesn't. Yeah. There we go. So impatient. Uh, so Claudia says, great to hear you explain your writing process. Oh, thank you, Claudia. Most of it is me screaming into the void and being like, who can I kill next? But yeah, sounds much better. Awesome. Okay, awesome. There we go. I'll just and, uh, So, book two, you mentioned that there were some scenes that were difficult and you questioned whether you should include them. What was that? What was that process like? 
So it was, I mean, I can, I'll just spoil it. So it's, it's the sequence where Rune is being violently raped is the one series in the book that I was like, if I include this, I have to have a good reason because it, that is where I was like, that, that goes really far. Um, and part of it is that um, I've had friends who were raped and sexually assaulted. And like part of the reason in Echo, uh, sorry, Edge of the Breach that Kyder goes so far with that uh, guy is like my rage at, you know, what you can't do in real life. Um, and for her, I wanted to show the strength of someone, like what it really took to kind of overcome sexual abuse uh, of that level. I wanted to show Rune strength. I also wanted to show how she didn't become a bad person despite something so awful coming to, uh, like happening to her. But also with Kyder, it's the first time that he he chooses, this is going to sound really cheesy, but like chooses love over hate, you know, like Kyder in book one would have kind of almost abandoned Rune and just been so consumed with rage and hatred and revenge that he would have focused entirely on Velis. And now like he gets his like little bit of revenge, but he basically is like the things I would do to you, but you're not important and pushing him away and focusing entirely on Rune and kind of putting all of his plans also for what he's planning for the end of the book on hold to help her, I thought showed how he changed so much as a person by like, you know, book one Kyder wouldn't have done that. Book one Kyder would have probably just had a killing spree and gone off in revenge. And meanwhile, Rune wouldn't have been able to get through that. So it's also Rune hates relying on other people and she is kind of forced to fully rely on Kyder. And, you know, also it shows some of the other stuff that he's been bearing and keeping from the reader about him being raped as a kid and all of that kind of trauma and how it's shaping both of them and their reactions to it and kind of moving forward. So yeah, that was the sequence that I was like, it has to change both of the characters. And I thought it was needed for both of their growths, but yeah, it was definitely one that like, I, I went back and forth on it and I contemplated a lot because, you know, I don't know why I didn't do that with the, you know, screwing a corpse, <laughs> but that seemed fine to me. I was like, yeah, whatever. He's dead. <laughs> Sounds awful. You know, I thought, I thought that those scenes were, they were um, of course difficult, but I think they were, they were done respect. They were done responsibly. So I tried to base it on kind of what I had seen my friends have to go through um, and the kind of the strength it took to, move on in life being violated and invaded and kind of almost erased in such a way and being possessed you know and i wanted to show how rune also kind of took control and she was like i'm not going to let you take this from me even if i always am going to kind of have that shadow in the background so i thought that was important for her and like i said important for kyder to show that you know he he doesn't only screw corpses for revenge or something you know he does then He's able to bat to step away from what would have just been like he would have loved in book one to go off on and, you know, and to like search down the entire bloodline, and just kill them off one by one. And that would have been the rest of the book if it was like, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, he turned them all into confetti. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite. I forget which book. I forget which book. I think it's, it may have been more than once, but you turn people into confetti. So that, was, that was great. Meat confetti. <laughs> yeah, meat confetti. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you know, something that I, another thing that I, I thought too is it was a big, big moment for Kyder because I thought he was going to go off and, and just start killing people, but he didn't. And I thought that was a, a big moment for, like you'd mentioned, for both of the characters. Yeah, it's hard for him to like he loves killing people and he loves murder and he loves revenge and i mean like book two is also it's a whole revenge story about what happened to rune in the previous book you know about like the the gods killing her 
found family and the fact that it kind of happens again and he doesn't go after Velas and he's like, okay, I'm going to focus on Rune this time instead of focus on kind of all the revenge, I think shows immense kind of character growth for him for, for the moment, at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and some of that, another thing that I thought was, was pretty funny because it, it kind of, it caught me a few times is, I don't know if it, is it breaking the fourth wall when the, yeah. Yeah. I thought, and there was a few times when, uh, you know, one of the characters say, well, I'm, uh, do I have to spell this out for you or come on reader? Like you should know. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, I'm kind of, I felt like I should know what's going on and I'm not sure. So it was, it was also hilarious. What, what made you decide to, to take that approach with that? You know, I was trying to, um, think about why I did because it just kind of happened, um, to be honest. But I think like my sister is really into musical theater and there are a lot of like musicals where they're like, you know, I mean, like, I mean, just breaking into song is honestly kind of breaking the fourth wall because like, I don't usually see that out in the world, but like, you know, there are a lot of times when they kind of turn to the audience and then they deliver a monologue or something. And I think it kind of snuck in in that way, but I also didn't want the reader to feel safe, you know, cause I mean, like you're reading a book, but I mean, maybe it makes me so sadistic, but like, I wanted it to be like, you know, you're just almost, um, like aggressive, you know, like Kyder and, and Rune to an extent too, they have very kind of prominent personalities and to just kind of be like, hey, now that you're reading, you're a part of this too. And you can't just walk away and stuff, you know? Yeah, it seemed to me, it seemed very, it seemed very natural. It just seemed like it kind of had, like you mentioned, it just seemed very like it just, you were just having fun. And it yeah, I didn't plan it. <laughs> I didn't plan it. Okay. Yeah. Because it seemed very, very natural. Like it was just kind of it could just kind of happened. And, and when it first started happening, um, it, it, the more that it happened, the more I thought, well, I better, I better pay attention because Rune's going to call or uh, Kyder's going to call me if I don't. Yeah. They're going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they love you, June. Yeah. So I know you had mentioned that another reader had, had said, I saw, I saw the end of the second book coming a mile away. I hadn't, I didn't see that coming at all. I thought there was, I thought for sure. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> at all. Well, so I, I knew that a lot of the second book was going to be character development. And as I got to like, I think it was two thirds of the way through. Again, it's like always that two thirds mark that I was like, I should put some plot in here. <laughs> but um, I I knew that I was going to have the whole um, Kyder try to take the, the throne, but do it for Ruin and everyone. And I wanted to make it so it wasn't too obvious, but like because everyone thinks he's kind of power hungry, I wanted it like everyone to kind of be afraid but they're like well he's kind of the devil we know um so maybe it's okay um because he's also kind of changing and like Rune always says is like the people actually are trusting you and loving you and he's like no i don't want that but also to show that like you know he has so much power and everything one thinks he wants more and he's just like i actually just want pedum pedum freedom and peace and to like smoke and drink and you know have sex and murder the occasional person so like and like Rune has always wanted that purpose. So I think for him, he's kind of like, I'm, I'm showing you your path without kind of forcing it on you, but just kind of like, especially at a point where she feels very violated and she feels very off kilter and stuff for him to kind of give her that purpose and to be so kind of sacrificial and selfless in that moment. Whereas most of the series has been like, he's been like mine, 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 you know? So like that I did start planning about like two thirds of the way through, but the whole raw, his, his father, like originally I was just not going to do anything with that. And then I looked back through like book one and two. I'm like, well, I've been kind of unintentionally hinting at it with like the glowing eyes and with like his height and with also 
all of the times he kind of self harms and heals relatively quickly or doesn't die, or he gets like basically blown up at the end of book one mm -hmm. and they can piece him back together. So I wanted there to be, I was like, there's actually something kind of weird there. And I'm like, I, I mean, I love Empire Strikes Back to the whole Luke, I am your father. I was like, oh, I don't want to kind of do that. I was like, oh, it is kind of Star Wars on crack. So I feel like you know, <laughs> it would make sense in a way to do a whole, you know, and then it would give him a higher kind of purpose um, too. And almost like he he escaped his mom's abuse, but like now with his dad's abuse, it's kind of like putting him right back to where he was in childhood. So he feels trapped all the time. Like there's a cage he can't escape. Yeah. And uh, AC says, uh, this makes me think about how often Kyder and Rune reflect each other. The first wall break happens back to back with, e with each of them in their own chapters. Oh, true. You're such an awesome supporter. Thank you. <laughs> suffering through all the books <laughs> like oh my god what's happening next and some another thing that struck me with with each book it, the, it's each book seems like it you were taking chances with each book because it, there was something jarring that would happen that would carry over into the next one so it seemed like there was like we couldn't get there, as a reader i couldn't get comfortable and just know i know it's where this is going to go because everything's always different yeah but that must be that must be a little is that tough for you as a writer to kind of to take those chances and to get out of your comfort zone when you're writing it? I wish it was out of my comfort zone. <laughs> no. um, I So I conceived the series kind of really as like one giant book. Um, enjoyable suffering. <laughs> but um, so like, I think I kind of knew that those would be almost, um, it was always kind of like, like, you know how you have the, the beat structure and then you have like the temporary triumph and then the shit hits the fan kind of going to the end. And I wanted kind of each of the ends of the books to be kind of that temporary triumph but wait there's more <laughs> to kind of pull you over so like i'm like you get some closure but not really and then to go into the next book um i think each of the books has a really different flavor too like it's a series but it kind of focuses on something different so i wanted it to kind of be that transition into like what was happening next like um at the end of echoes of blood when Kyder's like oh god ross my father and he's worse basically than my mother and like this is the the god who raped my mother and all of that kind of backstory um and then you have rune basically being queen of Zawad, the, the soul queen though whereas before there were four uh, monarchs it just kind of sets them up for where they're going in the next book because i think if i ended a bit before that it almost could it feels like the end of the series you know it's almost like and then they lived happily ever after i'm like but wait there's more death <laughs> we're not done turning people into confetti just yet yeah <laughs> And up up until then, I was I was pretty I was pretty feeling pretty confident about about uh, about Rune's dad being. <laughs> I was I was convinced. So. No, that's a good um, guess though, because like honestly, in the beginning, I didn't know if I wanted them to be romantic or not, and I was like, I wanted them to have something a bit different. And like they do explore kind of the the romanticism and you know the sexual nature of their relationship, but I think it's almost like. Um, I don't want to say deeper bond, but like it's a different type of bond because like in book three, after what they've gone through, they, they aren't really romantic anymore. They like trust each other and they're partners. And because they're both, they both have this immense power and they're both born under the solstice, you know, the opposite solstice. Um, they understand each other better than I think anyone else does. But at the same time, they're like, we're, we're different now though, you know? So it's, it's not a bad guess by any means to think that they're related because in a way, I mean, I don't want to say they are, but like they, there are kind of familial parts of their relationship too. Yeah. And yeah, they did have a different kind of, different kind of bond, but yeah. find that out later. Yeah. 
what that is. And yeah, so I was, I was, uh, I, I, yeah, the, the, the end of that book really was, damn it. <laughs> they lived happily ever. No, they didn't. <laughs> and I started to wonder towards the end, I was like, okay, where, where, you know, now that all this is happening and, uh, you know, Brune has the crown and it's like, okay, where, what's going to happen next? And then boom. And we fall. sadness, yeah. sorrow, and misery. Yeah. It's like, well, that, that, uh, that changed gears pretty fast. <laughs> Can't have so, too much of a good thing. We got to make them suffer. No, it's like I knew. I know something's coming. What's going to happen? You know, something's got to be happening here. Something, something's going to happen because I, I was wasn't sure what's going to happen next for the, the next two. So the talking about each book having its its own kind of different flavor. The seven year gap between book two and three was a big, um, a big gap. Yeah, I wanted to, like, the first book covers a lot of kind of land and that I think they, they start when, like, I think Kyder's nine when we meet him. And then he goes to, like, he's in his 20s at the end. and But then the second book is pretty much, I think they're just kind of, like, in their early 20s. Um, it's been a while since I wrote them. Sorry if I, I might have my own <laughs> facts wrong. But um, book three, I wanted, um, because I wanted to be such a kind of, torturous and prolonged period of Kaido really feeling trapped from he when he goes from kind of being this the strong big big bag boss of the Apali, I wanted to, him to really be fully broken down. And I wanted Rune to have time to be running Zawad. And I felt like kind of showing all those years would have been a bit like they were supposed to be like monotonous and tedious and they were supposed to be I basically have losing have lost hope at the beginning of book three i also wanted them to just be a bit older so i could you know they're they're changing their thinking from the kind of um save the world chosen one type mentality in book two whereas they now just are like maybe we are all gonna die <laughs> you know <laughs> and kind of being able to do that with them a bit older not saying that as you get older you're just like maybe we all are gonna die <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of cynicism. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Everyone needs a little cynicism. Yeah. The uh, the the Carter being tortured was that was a long period of time from to be um, tortured and captured. Yeah, and it was almost like I mean, like we see Kyder, um in book one. Uh, like I said, he's like nine when we meet him. So, like, let's say if he's like super smart, maybe has seven years of memories, seven, six. I want him to have a similar period of time with his dad doing a very similar thing to him. So it kind of like everything's kind of like with the rift, you know, going full circle and it keeps going back to kind of like these cages he can't escape. So like as much as he built himself up after his like the ordeal with his mom, now his dad is able to do that to him because he's so much more powerful. And also, you know, I wanted him too to be like, he thinks he's kind of hot stuff all in book two and book one, he can do all this. And then showing that like, there are gods and they just make you look like you have nothing to do. And he, you know, kind of defines himself by his power and kind of what are you if you're not the thing you define yourself with? Because I think we've all gone through periods of time where like, I am a this or I am a that or I'm a whatever. And then if that changes, it's kind of trying to find out who you are again, you know. And for Kyder, I think that's really hard because now he doesn't have an anchor. And it's just this constant. And he also hates not knowing. He's like, I don't know what he's looking for. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And it's just, you know, very frustrating for him uh, to be kind of broken down after all that time. Yeah, and and, uh, and Rune goes, goes through her own struggles with finding out she has cancer in the third book. 
and that kind of goes back yeah to the first book too um and to have that to bring that back again um it like the third book was very hard to write because it is very depressing basically like i mean the whole series is but like the third book is very much like there is very little hope um and it is also like there are a lot of things in there that kind of have to move the plot forward because i like kind of got to the end of book two and i was like okay i need to start moving the bigger pieces together um and i wanted to show how despite kaider and rune being so powerful compared to kind of humans what they are compared to gods and kind of the bigger scale of the war going on and just how you know that feeling of hopelessness and helplessness i think a lot of us can feel in our lives of just like is this period ever going to end and that's also the reason for kind of the time jump and then when these things that they thought they escaped come back you know kind of parental abuse and cancer it's just like am i ever going to break free of this cycle you know yeah and uh the <laughs> one of my I, i'm just like a terrible person but one of my favorite scenes was when ikata starts killing the god children because you you knew something was something was something about this scene was different but he's in the the timer of you know you kind of get the feeling that rune's time is running out and Catter is desperately trying to get back to her mm -hmm. want to do anything to get back to her so <laughs> did you was that one of those scenes where you thought well should i have him killing a bunch of kids <laughs> yeah that well i should say like i debated it and then i guess i mean it becomes a bit I'm trying not to make it preachy but like i made them all 18 or older which like you know for me i'm like they're totally like babies um i i look at them like babies but um he's like you know technically it's kind of like you know well now you're an adult now and you can do all these things and you can die because now you're an adult so kind of trying to throw society back in their faces but yeah i mean it was a very uncomfortable scene to write um like not nearly as fun as like the revenge scenes where he's like you've wronged me and now i must you know play with your kidneys or something <laughs> but um i think it also just shows how after seven years he's just he's like hanging he's also kind of trying to hang on to morality in a way even though he never really did but he's like well they're not really kids so rune would be proud <laughs> but at the same time it's like this is really messed up and you know just show how he's just kind of lost it you know yeah I, and how I, he's also gonna then make the decisions that like he's not thinking clearly enough through. sorry to make no, that's okay. I think at one point, uh, Cotter even tells the talks to the reader and says, "Like, don't you know? Don't look at me like that. They're eighteen, or yeah. you know, yeah." The reference to that, like, it's okay. They're not. They're not really kids. <laughs> well, and that's why I always think it's funny because I'm like, I don't know, eighteen just seems so young, you know. And I'm just like, whenever you see anyone, like, if you go on like a college campus, I'm like, are you even allowed to be here? <laughs> are you all like kid geniuses? <laughs> like, you know, it just to me seems so young, and the fact that society can hold them to such. Um, responsibility and to, you know um i think is there's you know there was something for kyder to exploit in that <laughs> yeah yeah that he did and something that i really i really enjoyed is it, the world felt bigger when uh, rune goes and negotiates with the elves oh yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah the, it did, the world did feel bigger um, at that point well i wanted to because you know kyder is um kind of playing with the gods and stuff and all and it's all kind of glass and rain and he doesn't like it um because like he's used to the desert and then rune kind of goes to this almost like kind of tropical paradise where things are in balance and also to have them kind of it's like i think um the first episode of the star trek the next generation i think it's when q kind of says like you know 
you humans just can't be trusted anymore. So it's kind of mirroring that of like, the elves are like, eh, we're kind of good not interfering. <laughs> like, you know, we, we don't really want to get mi uh, mixed up in this. So I wanted to expand it while kind of showing an external light on Talad and kind of humanity on what kind of the other kind of creatures think of them really. Yeah. And the elves were kind of just like, you know, like, you, like you mentioned, they're just like, ah, leave us out of it. We're fine. Like, well, they were, and I think that's the whole point um, that I was trying to make with them kind of, it's like, is it really peace if horrible things are happening or not doing anything about it? Or at the same time, if humans have kind of proved again, again, that they can't be trusted, it's like, what, and I don't want there to be an easy answer. So I'm like, you know, you try to see both sides. It's like, humans are like, we really need help. And elves are like, yeah, you've kind of always needed help to mess stuff up so we don't really want to you know do this again and so yeah i think it's that whole cycle of like how how far also like do you go to preserve the peace and what does preserving the peace mean and what are the sacrifices in that mm -hmm. and uh with with kyder you know there was there was a, a period there of peace or at least of i don't want to say maybe not peace but at least quiet of uh a little bit of the balance there that was until the end where <laughs> not so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i always you know i do love the like like i love big explosions in movies like there's you know i think it's why i love like fast and furious it's just like yeah blah 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 and then it's just like explosions for like an hour and a half till the end um and i always like that kind of like we need to just be blowing stuff up in the last like quarter of the book so <laughs> this might just be one of my crazy pleasures but i'm like ah you've all been too happy and making progress let's set us back <laughs> That's enough of happiness. Let's let's blow stuff up. Let's That's enough people. of that. Yeah. So with 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 this one, um, at the end of, of book three, I I knew that he hadn't that he didn't kill Rune. I just couldn't. Ha it wasn't going to happen. It, I know yeah. Kyrie did a lot of things, but there's there has I just thought there has to be something here. There, mm -hmm. it, something happened. But do you have readers who think that he did kill her at the end of book three? Did you get any reactions? <sighs> I mean, a lot of people will kind of send me it like a half angry DM of like, how could you? <laughs> but um, I don't think anyone like I, I kind of mean it to be too. I want you at that point to trust Kyder enough to be like he he has a plan. And the one thing he has been literally even saying is head it's like ruin, 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 ruin. Like if he actually killed her, he he wouldn't be there anymore. either. He would just, you know, but um, at the same time, something happened. He did something to her. And I want that to kind of be like, OK, well, you know, I don't think she's dead, but what the hell happened? So, yeah, I don't think like anyone necessarily really thinks it, but like a lot of people, well, a lot of people say like, I need to take a break now <laughs> to like kind of get ready for the next one. But, but yeah, it was supposed to be like, you know, he didn't kill her, but he did in a way kind of violate her trust, you know, and how that changes their relationship even further than it's been changed from kind of the years apart and the change that they did over Eye of the Brave. Yeah. And the the fourth book, it's kind of like a reset button for their relationship because mm -hmm. she she was kind of a different person. Yeah, I mean, and that is the whole thing too of like, do you? Um, I'm sorry, my light is totally spazzing out. There we go. Um, <laughs> I'm magnetic. All these things are just breaking around me. <laughs> but um, I think 
Yeah, I wanted it to be a whole like full circle, but at the same time, I wanted it to show that like Kyder definitely crossed a line in basically erasing who she was. And now he did do it to save her. But like she says at the end, she's like, you could have told me. And like, you know, I think it shows how he when it comes to Rune is so like he doesn't necessarily think like the whole when he's killing the the godchildren and I of the brave he's just gotten to the point where it's like this is like batshit crazy but he's just doing it because of that whereas like he's pretty cold and calculating with other things in his life because he's had to be to escape situations um so yeah I wanted it to be like he crossed a line she you know, she then when she figures out, it's like things can't ever really be the same. Like you basically use your God power on me to to save me. Yes, but it's like you never gave me a choice in the matter. So it kind of shows how it's like they're always bonded together, but they're kind of back where they started in book one and that it's like that kind of tentative trust of like, a, will you kill me? Will you not kill me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the thing is made up. <laughs> did you did you already did you always know how to kind of how to bring them together and through that book because they, they were apart a lot and they kind of had their own separate lives and it, a lot of it, it seemed like it was Kyder's, um you know mental state and what he was kind of processing through the through the book and that was a difficult time for him yeah i mean like he knows he basically shouldn't have done it but he also knows that it's the most like for him it's the most logical way to protect her because if she doesn't even remember himself or herself and like no one else kind of remembers her and everyone else is kind of like you know dead or gone or whatever i think it's a it's a way for him to just know and when it comes to her he's almost like he's they are their relationship is toxic in that way is he's almost possessive of her without but he doesn't mean to be so i think he's processing that he's also trying to figure out how to get out of like how to save humanity so he can kind of save rune you know so he's trying to figure out kind of the the you know the the code and the the prophecy and all of that um while rune is kind of back to i wanted to kind of give her the roofers again in a way because she had lost them in the first book so like you know it, it kind of is that way but almost with the the kind of she knows something's different i don't know like a it's like a sad send-off underneath it's like we're back to where we started from and though we went so far we're kind of back here and then like the last send-off is kind of like tying the the knot you know tying the circle closed literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> And with the the end of this one, really really got got to me. Just the last I don't know fifty pages or so were really effective. Uh, really really, this is one of the I don't get too emotional when I'm reading, but this is one of the ones that really got to me. Was that you, you tried to to have a, a nice little punch at the end? Well, I um I got to the end of this one, and this one was a bit like because it was more kind of um it was almost reflective in a way like it was kind of reflective of the series of how far they they've come of the things that they could and they could not do and of the fact that you know when they figure out that they're both they have to die um i wanted it to be kind of like a look back at all all the characters i had killed <laughs> but like all the people that like especially to rune had meant something to her and um and all the places all the places they've been and you know uh so yeah i mean it it was like by the time I got there, I was kind of so not burnt out, but I was like so drained because I, I had like kind of I, I it was like I feel like me writing. It's like, you know, trying to steer a broken down train down a track. I was like, oh, God, I'm finally I actually 
actually I'm going to land somewhere near the station, <laughs> you know, um, I'm like, oh, I kind of got there and I at least finished it. I got to go edit, but like, we're almost there. So I think it didn't hit me until like an edits when I went back. And then I like kind of went through it. And I was like, oh God, this is, this is now over, you know, and everyone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everyone, most, most everyone's dead. <laughs> So out of, what was it like to, when you were done editing and you were ready for the, for the fourth book to be released, what was that feeling? Was that a, what was that feeling like to finish this series? It was weird. It like, it had, so I got the idea end of 2018, I think, but I was like, and all that came to me is like Kyder. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> um, and then it slowly started kind of manifesting. And then when I got the the system of kind of the magic system, I was like, okay, I, I felt like I could start writing. But like, so it kind of had been conceived in like late 2018, started writing it in early 2019. And then by the time I was done with edits, I think it was, was it 2021? Hmm. Maybe. 2020. It was, yeah, it was like two or three years of kind of living with it and of kind of, being all consumed by it and of like really trying to kind of, you know, like going through million of edit, millions of edits and stuff that, you know, you're so focused on the task of like, you know, developmental uh, editing, line editing, copy editing, proofreading and like marketing and cover and making sure everything's right and all this that like you're not thinking about what it actually means until it's kind of done. And I remember then when I got to the end, it like it felt weird. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to have Kyder kill anyone again. And like, you know, they're just also like, I really wanted to not have spinoffs for this series because I was like, I wanted it to be over. And I know like not every series, but so, some series do it really well, but some series like they keep on kind of coming out with books after like, and that kind of can't like they nullify what like the yeah. earlier kind of series had done. I was like, I don't want to do that. I also, I, I beat the shit out of them. I want to give them some peace. <laughs> um, and so I was like, wow, this really is fully goodbye. It's not like I can't go back. And I mean, like they're dead, so I really can't go back. And like, and I wouldn't want to bring them back because I'm like, well, the whole sacrifice and Kyder's growth, especially it was for nothing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was weird, honestly. It's kind of like the feeling of like, like college graduation, high school graduation, all into one. And you're like, in a way you're happy it's done because you like survived <laughs> but um at the same time you kind of miss it because you've been living with it for so long you know i don't know it's an odd feeling yeah you did leave the door cracked a little bit at the end though yeah well i had to i mean like so basically when i said that like i knew how the series was going to end i knew that they were going to die I didn't know why, but I was just like, it was so bad too. I was like, no one actually goes through is killing their characters. You know, they're always like some like, I mean, like Darth Vader dies, but he's the whole kind of like the sacrificial, like he lives on in Luke and they like, you know, he turns good and blah, blah, blah. But like, they don't kill Luke, you know? And I basically was like, you know, Luke should have died. He should have sacrificed. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I, it sounds so terrible, but like, I just, I wanted to, to like go there and to just be like what happens if you kill both of the main characters but I also want it to be hopeful and I want it kind of to kind of be like they are kind of, they're dead but maybe they're kind of together and now they're just having some peace finally away from everyone else you know it's just kind of like they're kind of closing the door on us and being like get out you've already witnessed enough <laughs> so like there's a little bit of hope <laughs> well I, I thought it was a almost like a beautiful ending that because it, there's really no other, no other way for the story to end. This is kind of, 
um, kind of what I, my takeaway from it is you knew that something was going to happen. Something, somebody was going to die. Something, something bad <laughs> will happen. So, it, but the way that, that, that the end, that the book wraps up and, and it, it felt hopeful and it felt uh, like it was very done. It was very touching, but mm-hmm. I, I did wonder if we were going to get like a, like a reincarnation or some, some kind of um, something later in the future with, um, with this, with this world, and maybe they would be connected somehow, or they would be talked about, or they would be uh, a big influence on the other set of characters. So, if with these characters, if they're gone, have you thought about this world exploded again? You know, I like to be honest. It's like it's a it's a series that's near and dear to my heart. It's the series that I I you know kind of brought me into the the awesome like writing community and um it showed me a lot of things about myself and it was just very therapeutic and very cathartic to write and but I remember when I started I kind of made myself promise I was like don't go back to it because I don't think it'll ever kind of match the end like I needed to write that series at that stage in my life and I'm at a different stage in my life now and I think that it would just be doing a disservice to kind of um kind of how I ended it to go back. And I mean, like the rift is closed now and everyone's like, I mean, like everyone's in post-apocalyptic ways, <laughs> but like they're, they're happy-ish, you know, and like the Apollo live on and, and like everyone's kind of miserable, but they're alive. So, I mean, parallel to real life. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to go back. Um, I mean, like I do, but at the same time, I think that as soon as I started, I would just feel like it was wrong. Like I originally had thought about doing something with like, um, like Gennaro, like earlier on and kind of going backward and kind of seeing how like all like the roofers came together and all that stuff. But then I was like an Ella and I just, you know, I was like, you know, I just, there were such high stakes for the rift cycle. It was literally like realms dying and like gods and stuff that I just feel like then going to a quiet story wouldn't necessarily work as, as much. And, you know, I think it also, it's, it is it's very dark and it's draining to write that dark all the time. So, you know, I, I want to kind of let them have their, have their peace in a way yeah. and let them be dead. I want to let them be dead. <laughs> yeah. On one hand, I, on one hand, I want more of it. I want more of that world of the characters, but like I said, on the other hand, it's, it's kind of like when, um, when they there's like a sequel to a movie when the movie was fine by on its own it's just be left alone and the, the sequel is just never it's never quite the same it never feels like it it adds a whole lot or it's just kind of for the sake of exploring it again and sometimes it's as as tempting as it is it's i'm sure it's tough to make that decision but also i think almost like everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong and i think if i made something else and it undid what they had worked for i think in a way it'll almost be like annoying it's like oh we've been here before and like you know it's just also <laughs> like book three is very kind of like everyone regresses and book four everyone kind of regresses so i kind of tried to do that but yeah like as much fun as it is to do that but also kyder kind of changed at the end so he's not like he's always like you know full of bloodlust but like he's not now that he has rune he's kind of tampered a bit and like what was so much fun is getting him to be like i want to kill everyone in sight to being like i still want to but i'll like i'll kill the ones that matter if that makes sense you know like instead of just going off and killing everyone so yeah i guess i think both their characters change i think they're also like i think kyder says at the end he's like i'm I'm tired and i want peace and i don't think i could bring them back with kind of the same stakes because then it would just be like 
opening another rift and it's like no it don't don't do that again you know yeah. it's just yeah it's like we already went through all the poop jokes and we already <laughs> did all that you know <laughs> trying to leave them alone <laughs> yeah what uh what would you for so as you as a writer what did you take away from this series that you've uh that has that stuck with you through the your, uh the other books you've written since oh god that's a good question um i've tried to focus a bit more on plot in certain things <laughs> Um, but at the same time, I really like character driven stories and like, I don't mind like the books I read, I don't mind if there's little plot, but I guess I've tried to, um, work out a few things a bit earlier on. Cause like I said, with like, um, certain things kind of, I, my, I subconsciously had been adding like when, uh, Raz Kyder's father, I was like, I unintentionally foreshadowed, which I didn't even know I was. <laughs> Cause I was like, Oh, am I going to have to go back to book one? I realized I kind of did foreshadow. It was just like literally dumb luck. Um, but I tried to like figure out the, the big twists a bit earlier on so I can more intentionally write those. Cause it, it saves in the drafting. Um, also when I like edge of the breach, just kind of like I brain vomited out. And it was just like a bunch of like years of repressed like rage that just fell onto the page. Um, but books two to four needed a lot in editing. Um, Cause I just, I also, I had like ways of explaining things that like were really long winded. And what I tried to do, um, which is a pain in the neck, but I was glad I did it is like find my crutch words, find ways that I was phrasing sentences um, mm -hmm. that there were a lot simpler ways to phrase them. So I would say that almost in like editing, I learned to be a bit more efficient because in like, like, I think, so book two ended up being something like 140,000 words. I think it started at like 160 or something wow. or so maybe, maybe not that high, but like, I think I cut a good 10,000 words just in not even developmental edits. That was in like line edits and just like literally taking out some filler words. Um, and I still tend to do that, but now I have like a list. I'm like, this is the list that you apparently cut down, stop using these words. So after I'm done, I go through and I'm just like, you know, oh my God, you use this word like 300 times and going through. But, um, I would say it's helped me kind of from a structural perspective, um, and from a, an editing perspective. I think it's also opened my mind to like, I, I didn't think it was as dark as it was. Like when I was going out, like I was like, I don't know, like I know I say grimdark, but I'd more I'm like, yeah, there's death, it's grimdark, but it's not like, like people have been like, it's the darkest book I've ever read. I'm like, the darkest? Really? I'm sure, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was like, no, please, you know, I'm sure there are many more books with necrophilias. <laughs> but um, I think I, I, it kind of shined a light or a shadow on me um, as a writer, I was like, oh, I, it is quite dark. And that's going to put it in a very kind of uh, special, like it, it's not going to appeal to everyone. And I think it, it helped me be more aware of kind of what I write and what who it may appeal to. Like I never thought of it as horror until readers were like, oh yeah, this is horror or like dark fantasy. I was more like, this is like sci-fi. And then when I realized that like sci-fi is such a broad genre and like that in can encompass like utopian societies and all this. And when people are like, oh, I was looking for sci-fi, but not like, you know, kill them all sci-fi. I'm like, isn't all sci-fi like that? <laughs> but yeah, not to ramble, I guess. Yeah, it, it kind of gave me perspective from a marketing perspective, you know, it kind of gave me that category, gave me editing help um, with that. Um, and yeah, a bit more structure, I think. Because like I said, I was just, more what are what are we gonna do that's crazy next <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back and and 
before you and tell yourself or give yourself advice before uh, go back in time and give yourself advice before you publish the books, would you what, what advice would you give yourself or what would you change or what would you adjust or do differently? Oh God, um, I think I yeah, this is pretty dark. Yeah. <sighs> um, I think I would tell myself to chill the f out. Um, <laughs> I think I would say um, to focus more on uh, like rejections and negative reviews used to get to me a lot and things would get like stuck in my head and it would be like, you know, it's always like, you know, you could have people who say good things, but it's like the one person that even if it's slightly negative, you're like, oh, that's the one I'm going to focus on. Um, I would tell myself to chill. I would say that it's not going to appeal to everyone and that's okay because like in a way, I think I've made a few really great genuine connections over like other people who have um, either kind of experienced things I have or I've seen themselves in the series and stuff. And it's nice to be able to take the time and to foster those connections. Um, I think I would tell myself, I think I would send myself the list of the crutch words I use <laughs> until be like, you know, flesh does not need to be in this document 200 times. Um, well, maybe it does, but like it needs to be in a bit, God, um, or like blood, gore, just, you know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something profound, but I guess I, I think I would also say, you know, keep writing and keep pushing forward. Cause there are a lot of times, like, to be fully honest, like writing is just very frustrating. And I, you know, have wanted to rage quit so many times because it's just like, you know, oftentimes it feels like you're screaming into a void and you're screaming into a void. And like when something's as niche as being like queer, dark, and self published, it's like, I feel like I've, three stigmas that I'm often working against. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, before it used to really bother me if like it wouldn't kind of go out, but now I'm just kind of like, you know what, just, just write what you want to write, write for yourself or for your audience. If you have fun writing psychopaths that like to murder everyone in their path and fuck everyone in sight, not to be crude, but like, just do it. Um, yeah. I think I would just mostly tell myself to chill and to buy more beer. <laughs> Sound advice, yeah. Right, yeah. That's, yeah. that's really what it ends up being. Well, when I first read the 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 uh, the synopsis in the in the back of the book, that's what appealed to me is the that it's dark and disturbing and, and violent. That's so as for me, I know maybe I'm, I'm I'm just a weirdo, but that's one of the things that was like I want to I want to read this series. <laughs> well, like for me, it's like when people say like some of the recent books are like this book is like <laughs> it actually makes me buy a book when like there was um I think it was. Uh, there was like a psychological thriller and someone was like too far too far this book went too far one star you should not write about this stuff and i was like all right and i bought it <laughs> i was like yep that's that's what i want to do so like i realize i'm not the average reader i think but there are other people who are like you know whereas one star reviews i guess can help too because you know it's like the most disgusting thing i've ever read i'm like yeah that's going in my cart <laughs> yeah it does exactly yeah. and that's what you know when, when authors or, or people say you know they talk about negative reviews and i i buy a lot of books based on negative reviews because it's like you said it's this book is so dark i couldn't handle it it's too violent it's like yeah well no one's paying for that no one's like hey can you give me like a one-star review and say this is disgusting you know whereas for me i'm like good look this isn't a paid review and someone's saying it's like you know yeah i don't know i i gravitate toward those books especially the books that are like you should never read this book in your lifetime because it's going to affect you and like dig its way into your hole and like your whole your brain god <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about taboo so much but yeah even that 
The book yeah. will literally get inside you. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Hi, Ross. Yeah. Agent Young. Yeah. <laughs> Freudian well, slip. <laughs> Freudian slip. That's okay, though. Uh, so what can you tell us about I Will Kill You? Oh, thank you for bringing that up, Steve. You're so sweet. Um, it's very dark. Basically, um, so if you've read The Rift Cycles, basically I want to take Kyder. I want to put him in contemporary Manhattan. And I want him to be even more unhinged <laughs> and to also be a father and to struggle with that whole, like with Rune, he often struggled with like, um, you know, I love her, but I don't want to love anyone and that whole thing. So I wanted it to kind of, um, I realized I really liked writing the psychological uh, kind of thriller and horror aspects of the recycle. And I thought what would happen if I kind of took that out and just put it in modern society and wreaked havoc on New York City. So, hmm. you know, and I was like, I also really like like American Psycho and the Wolf of Wall Street. And, you know, there's a little kind of soprano stuff in there. So, you know, and being half Italian, it's just kind of like, you know, I was like, I need to do a bit with more of the gang. So <laughs> not to propagate the stereotype, but at the same time, if you need a favor. So. <laughs> yeah, I just went into your daughter's getting married. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Oh, thank you, Drew. Drew was so sweet. He actually already read it. Oh my god. And Drew just had um a book come out, Accessories to Murder, which is amazing. That was on Thursday, I think. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what day it is. Yes, Thursday. It was Thursday. Oh, congrats. Yeah. So what birthday. And you do have one book oh, on it I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm no, no, go ahead. And you do have another but the the heartbeat of a million dreams that was released in February. What can you tell us about that one? Um, so that one is basically about a neurodivergent superhero, um, and it's a sapphic kind of romance. It's probably, it's funny, I'm like, it's my latest book, and then I realize they talk about slitting a baby's throat in the first chapter, so realize what it's off screen. Like, I'm sorry, I have kids, so like, it, I'm like, if it doesn't affect me, it shouldn't affect you. <laughs> but like, I don't know, it just, it's the latest book I've written, but it's still, I guess, pretty dark. I don't know, I have no compass for what's dark, you know? Um, but yeah, it's about basically like my daughter is autistic and it was around when she was diagnosed and I wanted kind of to put a bit more kind of divergence in fiction in what I had had experience with, like autism references a lot differently in girls and she's, um, like level one. So like, uh, she's very aware of the things like where she has deficits and where she has kind of uh, strengths and it's a bit, I hadn't kind of heard about all of this stuff until like kind of the neuropsychologist was like, and here's all the literature you can read. And I thought it would be interesting and kind of try to put it out there more as a strength as opposed to like, you know, a, a disability as they sometimes call it and stuff. So I was like, I think it kind of, you know, I think it's one of her strengths in uh, a lot of ways. So yeah, well, but there is also darkness a little bit, but you know. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it has to be a little bit. <laughs> well, I just feel like I should say that because like, you know, um, I, I think that so people's darkness scale is very different. So I'm like, you know, it's the latest book I've written. It has a full, like, happy ending, um, complete happy ending. Um, but it it is, I would still say that it has some darkness in it, you know, which it should, right? Oh, yeah, it has a little bit of darkness. <laughs> yeah, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you for, for coming by to, to talk to me about all the, all the I was, uh, I know we had talked, I think it was in January about doing this and it's so uh, it takes a little bit, it takes a little bit for me to read, 
I can only read so fast. No, please. You, you, I was so surprised when you kept telling me you were done. I was like, what? You were so awesome. Thank you so much for reading all of them. Oh my God. Yeah. I think, uh, two, three, and was it two, three, and four? I read back to back. There was a few of them. There was a few that I read. I just kept going. So I think <laughs> like puppy dogs and rainbows. Yeah. Ross, that's, that's my brand. <laughs> yeah, that I then slaughter and eat their organs. <laughs> <laughs> harvest our organs for meat exactly yeah. but thanks again for for coming by and, and talking to me about the series and what you have work what you're working on now and and all the all, all the darkness and yeah, kind of right. went on behind the scenes of of the series <laughs> and dolphins <That's> like... <laughs> <laughs> okay there are things you can do with dolphins but you know what i'm just gonna... yeah you know, I said I was going to bring jelly beans today, but I figured that I shouldn't get sugar high and <laughs> on this live. And I also, I was going to bring whiskey, but then I was like, eh, you know, I was going to behave. So I, was... I thought the same thing. I thought I better, I better, uh, if I want to ask, you know, I don't want to start. You know. I'm like, I'm sure I'll already say some Freudian slips. So I wanted to be as sober as possible to like contain myself. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think we hit that one okay. <laughs> Steve just cuts it live. He's like, all right, we got to go now. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had some, I was thinking about getting some whiskey. I can't do sugar, but I was thinking uh, some whiskey and I thought, well, I, maybe I shouldn't because I know that we'll end up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then it will just turn into who knows what we were talking about then. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It'll go off the rails. So who knows what'll happen. <laughs> But thank you so much. Thanks for taking time out of your Saturday to to chat with me about the series. I really enjoyed it. It was a it was a great one. Thank you so much for doing all this and interviewing me twice. Oh my god, I feel so so happy. Thank you. I'm, what, is god. Joy? <laughs> what is this joy? <laughs> Get it away. <laughs> Anytime you just let me know and you're you're always welcome. Okay. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. You're awesome. Everyone should subscribe and yeah. stalk you. And your StokerCon videos were awesome. Not that I was stalking you constantly, but <laughs> it was a fun trip yeah <laughs> but thanks again halo hope you have a good one and thanks everyone to who came by in the in the chat to interact with us and and uh, and hang out it's been, it's been a blast thank you and congrats on 1k Woo. thank you yeah i'm not sure how that happened but i'm not gonna complain because so. you're awesome <laughs> not about that but appreciate it <laughs> both compliments if you haven't noticed so i'll make sure to compliment you more to make you more uncomfortable yeah yeah i shouldn't have said anything <laughs> i'm making my daily motto <laughs> thanks and hope, hope everyone has a good day go by the roof cycle <laughs> thank you